I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Our reading today is Ezekiel chapters 20 and 21. First, let's set the stage for Ezekiel chapter 20. Since Ezekiel tells us in this chapter that these prophecies were given in July, August 591 B.C., let's take a look at what we know about this period of time. It will provide a little perspective to the prophecy. After having considered Ezekiel's previous prophecies concerning the imminent fall of Jerusalem, these elders of the exile still had some hope that Judah, or Jerusalem, would be able to beat the inevitable, that being their fall to Babylon. So, here's what we know from the secular historical sources. In the late summer of 591 BC, the news of Egypt's victory in the Sudan undoubtedly had reached the remnant of Judeans there at Tel Aviv over in Babylon. Certainly, rumors also indicated that Samtix II, who was an Egyptian king of the 26th dynasty from 595 to 589 BC, would march against the Babylonians in Palestine. Naturally, these Jewish exiles would have been quite excited about the possible outcome of these actions. Perhaps Samtix II, II, would be able to kick Nebuchadnezzar out of the region and make it possible for the Jewish state to once again be established. Zedekiah had foolishly shared the same dream when he revolted from Babylon's rule and placed his confidence in Egypt's strength somewhere between the end of 591 and 589 BC. That turned out to be a bad move because the Pharaoh soon became ill and the potential strength of Egypt never really materialized. And, well, you know what happened to Zedekiah. With that being established, here the exiles of the Jews request an audience with Ezekiel to get an idea of what to expect now. We see that in verse 1. Now let's begin reading. Chapter 20, verse 1. And it came to pass in the seventh year in the fifth month, the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. Then came the word of the Lord unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto the elders of Israel and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. Are you come to inquire of me? As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Wilt thou judge them, son of man? Wilt thou judge them? Cause them to know the abominations of their fathers, and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day when I chose Israel, and lifted up mine hand unto the seed of the house of Jacob, and made myself known unto them in the land of Egypt, when I lifted up mine hand unto them, saying, I am the Lord your God. In the day that I lifted up mine hand unto them to bring them forth of the land of Egypt to a land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Then said I unto them, Cast ye away every man the abominations of his eyes, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me, and would not hearken unto me. They did not every man cast away the abominations of their eyes. Neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them, 
to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I wrought for my name's sake, that it should not be polluted before the heathen among whom they were, in whose sight I made myself known unto them in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. Wherefore I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt, and brought them into the wilderness. And I gave them my statutes, and showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. Moreover also I gave them my Sabbaths, to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not in my statutes, and they despised my judgments, which if a man do... He shall even live in them, and my Sabbaths they greatly polluted. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen, in whose sight I brought them out. Yet also I lifted up my hand unto them in the wilderness, that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands." Because they despised my judgments, and walked not in my statutes, but polluted my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Nevertheless, mine eye has spared them from destroying them, neither did I make an end of them in the wilderness. But I said unto their children and in the wilderness, Walk ye not in the statutes of your fathers, neither observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God, walk in my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them. And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. Notwithstanding, the children rebelled against me. They walked not in my statutes, neither kept my judgments to do them. Which if a man do, he shall even live in them. They polluted my Sabbaths. Then I said, I will pour up my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the wilderness. Nevertheless, I withdrew my hand and wrought for my name's sake, that it should not be polluted in the sight of the heathen, in whose sight I brought them forth. I lifted up my hand unto them also in the wilderness, that I would scatter them among the heathen, and disperse them through the countries, because they had not executed my judgments, but had despised my statutes, and had polluted my Sabbaths, and their eyes were after their father's idols. Wherefore I gave them also statutes that were not good, and judgments whereby they should not live. And I polluted them in their own gifts, and that they caused to pass through the fire all that openeth the womb, that I might make them desolate to the end, that they might know that I am the Lord. Therefore, son of man, speak unto the house of Israel, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Yet in this your fathers have blasphemed me, in that they have committed a trespass against me. For when I had brought them into the land, for the which I lift up mine hand to give it to them, then they saw every high hill and all the thick trees, and they offered there their sacrifices, and they presented the provocation of their offering. There also they made their sweet savor and poured out their, their drink offerings. Then I said unto them, What is the high place whereunto ye go? And the name thereof is called Bama unto this day. Wherefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Are ye polluted after the manner of your fathers? And commit ye whoredom after their abominations? For when ye offer your gifts, when ye make your sons to pass through the fire, ye pollute yourselves with all your idols, even unto this day. And shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel? As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. 
And that which cometh into your mind shall not be at all that ye say. We will be as the heathen, as the families of the countries, to serve wood and stone. Ezekiel here gives the familiar history of Israel's repeated rebellions against God, and he gives it to them once again. They rebelled coming out of Egypt. Their children rebelled. Not long after entering Canaan, they began serving their false gods. Ezekiel verbalizes these idolatrous actions, even appearing to present them as tests from God in the way that they are presented beginning in verses 18 to 26. Because they rebelled against the worship of the one true God, God gave them over to ungodly pagan statutes which completely corrupted them. The sinfulness of their ancestors all the way down to the present group of renegades is clearly presented in verses 27 to 31. Finally, Ezekiel asked these exiled Jewish leaders the big question. Here it is. Do you corrupt Jewish leaders still have the audacity to inquire regarding the legitimacy of Ezekiel's prophecy concerning the fall of Jerusalem? They obviously expected to be delivered, according to their false prophets, and they expected to prosper under the false gods brought home from other nations. The bottom line of verse 32 is God saying this, Nope, that's just not going to happen. Ezekiel prophesies from God that they will not turn to God. So, what about restoration? We see this beginning in verse 33 of chapter 20. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out will I rule over you. And I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. And I'll bring you into the wilderness of the people, and there will I plead with you face to face. Like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of this covenant. And I will purge out from among you the rebels, and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn. And they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. As for you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, Go ye, serve ye every one his idols, and hereafter also, if ye will not hearken unto me, but pollute ye my holy name no more with your gifts and with your idols. For in mine holy mountain, in the mountain of the height of Israel, saith the Lord God, there shall all the house of Israel, all of them in the land, serve me. There will I accept them. And there will I require your offerings and the firstfruits of your oblations with all your holy things. I will accept you with your sweet savor when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries wherein ye have been scattered. And I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I shall bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for which I lifted up mine hand to give it to your fathers. And there shall you remember your ways and all your doings wherein ye have been defiled, and ye shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all your evils that ye have committed. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I have wrought with you for my name's sake, not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings, O ye house of Israel, saith the Lord God. In these verses, Ezekiel continues to answer their inquiry. Yes, there will be a restoration, but not like they were thinking. 
The stipulations listed here describe the events which take place after the smoke is cleared from the Battle of Armageddon, and that's not until Revelation chapter 19, and that's when the millennium begins. Notice the provisions of this restoration which Ezekiel prophesies. Here it is, verse 33, God will rule over them himself. In verse 34, a regathering from the nations, nations plural, in which the Jews are scattered. Verse 37, a claiming of the exiled Jews, as in passing under the rod, is a picture of his own sheep passing under the shepherd's rod. And verse 37, also an obedience to the covenant. Undoubtedly, we're talking about the new covenant here in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. And that's based upon the other details of this passage which follow. And finally, in verse 38, rebels against God will be purged out. So, here's the question. Was this the criteria of the restoration fulfilled under Cyrus the Persian in 535 B.C. after the defeat of the Babylonians? Well, it is true that Jews began returning to Palestine at that time, and they were very zealous toward God. Well, at least for a little while they were. However, a close inspection of this criteria reveals that all the components listed in these 12 verses that we just read did not exist at the time of the return to the land beginning in 535 B.C. Therefore, the restoration of which Ezekiel speaks here is definitely a description of the yet future millennium. As a matter of fact, the five conditions as stated above each have stipulations that eliminate the possibility that they might be confused with the return of the exiles in 535 B.C., making it definitely a prophecy regarding the millennium. Then we have a fire of judgment coming their way, beginning with verse 45 of chapter 20. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face toward the south, and drop thy word toward the south, and prophesy against the forest of the south field. And say to the forest of the south, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will kindle a fire in thee, and it shall devour every green tree in thee, and every dry tree. The flaming flames shall not be quenched, and all faces from the south to the north shall be burned therein. And all flesh shall see that I, the Lord, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, they say of me, Doth he not speak parables? In these verses, Ezekiel is still prophesying to the elders who came to ask his counsel back up in verse 1. Here's yet another prophecy concerning judgment on Judah. But this time Ezekiel focuses in on the southern portion of Israel known as the Negev. This fire referenced here appears to be a metaphor for God's fiery judgment of the Babylonians against Judah. This judgment prophecy serves as an introduction to the prophecy that starts in chapter 21. That brings us to chapter 21, where we see a vivid prophecy of the fall of Jerusalem. Verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face toward Jerusalem, and drop thy word toward the holy places, and prophesy against the land of Israel. And say to the land of Israel, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against thee, and will draw forth my sword out of his sheath, and will cut off from thee the righteous and the wicked. Seeing then that I will cut off from thee the righteous and the wicked, therefore shall my sword go forth out of his sheath against all flesh, 
from the south to the north, that all flesh may know that I, the Lord, have drawn forth my sword out of his sheath. It shall not return any more. Sigh therefore, thou son of man, with the breaking of thy loins and with the bitterness sigh before their eyes. It shall be that when they say unto thee, Wherefore sighest thou, that thou shalt answer for the tidings, because it cometh, and every heart shall melt, and all the hands shall be feeble, and every spirit shall faint, and all knees shall be weak as water. Behold, it cometh, and shall be brought to pass, saith the Lord God. Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, Say, A sword, a sword is sharpened, and also furbished. It is sharpened to make a sore slaughter. It is furbished that it may glitter. Should we then make mirth? It condemneth the rod of my son as every tree. And he hath given it to be furbished, that it may be handled. This sword is sharpened, and it is furbished to give it into the hand of the slayer. Cry and howl, son of man, for it shall be upon my people. It shall be upon all the princes of Israel. Terrors by reason of the sword shall be upon my people. Smite therefore upon thy thigh. Because it is a trial, and what if the sword condemned even the rod? It shall be no more, saith the Lord God. Thou therefore, son of man, prophesy and smite thine hands together, and let the sword be doubled the third time. The sword of the slain, it is the sword of the great men that are slain, which entered into their privy chambers. I have set the point of the sword against all their gates, that their heart may faint, that their ruins may be multiplied. Ah, it is made bright, it is wrapped up for the slaughter. Go thee one way or, or other, either on the right hand or on the left, whithersoever thy face is set. I will also smite my hands together, and I will cause my fury to rest. I, the Lord, have said it. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Also thou, son of man, appoint thee two ways, that the sword of the king of Babylon may come. Both twain shall come forth out of one hand, and choose thou a place, choose it at the head of the way to the city. Appoint a way that the sword may come to Robbeth of the Ammonites, and to Judah in Jerusalem the defensed. For the king of Babylon stood at the parting of the way, at the head of the two ways, to use divination. He made his arrows bright, he consulted with images, he looked in the liver. At his right hand was the divination for Jerusalem, to appoint captains, to open the mouth in the slaughter, to lift up the voice with the shouting, to appoint battering rams against the gates, to cast a mount, and to build a fort. And it shall be unto them as a false divination in their sight, to them that have sworn oaths, but he will call to remembrance the iniquity that they may be taken. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because ye have made your iniquity to be remembered, in that your transgressions are discovered, so that in all your doings your sins do appear, because I say that ye are come to remembrance, ye shall be taken with the hand. And thou, profane wicked prince of Israel, whose day is come, when iniquity shall have an end, thus saith the Lord God, remove the diadem and take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low, and abase him that is high. I will overturn, overturn, overturn it, and it shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and will give it to him. And thou, son of man, prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God concerning the Ammonites, and concerning their reproach, Even say thou, the sword, the sword is drawn, for the slaughter is furbished, consumed because of the glittering. 
whilst they see vanity unto thee, whilst they divine a lie unto thee, to bring thee upon the necks of them that are slain of the wicked, whose day is come when their iniquity shall have an end. Shall I cause it to return into his sheath? I will judge thee in the place where thou wast created, in the land of thy nativity, and I will pour out mine indignation upon thee. I will blow against thee in the fire of my wrath, and deliver thee into the hand of the brutish men, and skillful to destroy. Thou shalt be for fuel to the fire, thy blood shall be in the midst of the land. Thou shalt be no more remembered, for I, the Lord, have spoken it. Now remember, they came to Ezekiel and asked for a second opinion. That was in chapter 20, verse 1. This is a continuation of the condemnation that began in chapter 20, verse 45. But now, Ezekiel begins to describe this judgment against Judah with a sword metaphor. Verse 19 clearly identifies the sword judgment when it says, The sword of the king of Babylon may come. Here's the sword of God's judgment against Jerusalem and Judah, prophesying the final destruction in 586 B.C. by the Babylonians themselves. In verses 1 through 5, we see that the sword is drawn. In verses 8 through 17, the sword is sharpened. In verses 18 to 27, we see that the sword is directed toward Jerusalem. And finally, in verses 28 to 32, we see that the sword is now directed toward Ammon. Ezekiel uses this sword here to paint a thorough picture of God's judgment upon Judah and Jerusalem for their disobedience. Keep in mind, the elders did ask Ezekiel what to expect. Sometimes you just hate to be right. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.